the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Enough with the State of the Union. (laughs) Maybe it was a good idea when the founders put it into the Constitution, but, you know, it used to be that the president would send a letter over to Congress and somebody would read it. Uh, I did a really good job of not failing to miss it last night. Didn't watch one second, but of course, I have seen the clips and uh, I've seen the reaction from both sides, and it's nothing but theater and not worth anybody's time. A letter would be so much better because it would eliminate the stupidity of things like people standing up and sitting down every 30 seconds and the audience keeping score on who stood up and who didn't. And the ridiculous scenes like Chuck Schumer standing up, thinking it was time to applaud, looking around, seeing that he was the only one standing and then sheepishly sitting down. That's what he did. That's what he did. He's the Senate He's the leader of the Senate. And then there was Nancy Pelosi sitting behind the big guy for the whole thing, and she stood up at one point and rubbed her knuckles together like some kind of an evil sorceress. Nobody knows what that was all about. And there was the sight of Joe Biden, Nancy, and Kamala Harris all night long through the whole speech. You had to see the two of them sitting back there, the president and the two people who would succeed him if he didn't make it through the speech. Now, the big guy spent almost an hour telling us how wonderful things are, even though we know they're not, and he told us that they are wonderful because of the wonderful things that he's done. Now, you know, read or listen to the reaction to the speech. Democrats and their liberal friends at MSNBC, ABC, CNN, CBS, they think he did a great job, and of course, everybody on Fox trashed him. All so predictable and so boring. I actually heard the big guy earlier this afternoon telling a crowd somewhere how much better things are now because of his Rescue America plan, or whatever it was called. Nobody with a brain believes any of that. So here's what I'm not going to talk about today, the State of the Union address and the reaction to it. As a matter of fact, I'm going to go as far away from that as I can. When we come back after the break, we're going to talk about the idiots who run baseball and how they've ruined what used to be an American institution. We'll do that with a columnist from the Washington Post And in our second half hour, we're going to talk to Melissa Hart. She's the former congresswoman who's running for governor of Pennsylvania. Stick around. When it's time to replace your roof, siding, gutters, and downspouts, entry doors, and, of course, windows, you can count on Windows R Us, the area's premier exterior replacement company. This is John Steigerwall. With over 50 years' experience in the home remodeling industry, Windows R Us offers repair and replacement for all your exterior home projects. Why pay double with some other companies? Windows R Us will always give you the best price on the best in-class products, backed by the best warranties in the industry, all with zero sales pressure. And speaking of zero... Right now, get zero interest financing for 12 months and no processing fee with prices set to increase on all exterior products. Lock in your quote today. Schedule a free estimate at windowsarustpittsburgh.com. Find them at the Pittsburgh Home Show beginning March 4th. You've tried the rest, now try the best. windowsarustpittsburgh.com. When you take the time to really get to know your body, you find that the root causes of its aches and pains are usually simple. The older we get, the more exercise we undertake and the more injuries we sustain, the more inflammation our bodies suffer from. It's so simple. And my answer to that pain is Relief Factor, which I discovered years ago and take every single day to great effect. It helps the body to fight off inflammation and I've never found anything that worked better in my life. I can't recommend it 
enough. 70% of the more than half a million people who have tried Relief Factor end up ordering more. That's because it works for them the way it works for me. Isn't it time for you to get out of pain? Your first step to becoming pain-free should be to order the three-week quick start for the discounted price of only $19.95. Go to relieffactor.com or call 800-4-RELIEF to find out more about this offer. Feel the difference. Relieffactor.com. Do your pets have the same energy they used to? Do they have problems with itching, scratching, a dull coat, or goopy ears? Then your pets need Dinovite. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E.com. For over 20 years, pet owners have trusted Dinovite to supplement their pet's diet. We started Dinovite and in our first box, we noticed a difference. Dinovite is an all-natural daily supplement made from whole foods that helps support your pet's immune system, digestion, skin, and coat. Within three weeks, he's not scratching and itching, and he's an all-around happier dog. Today's commercial pet foods are processed at high temperatures, which bakes out all the essential goodness. These processed foods can lack the essential vitamins, enzymes, and probiotics that contribute to overall good health. Adding a scoop of Dynavite to your pet's food bowl is the answer. If you love your pets as much as I do, you'll want to do what's best for them to live long, healthy, happy lives. I have two cats and two dogs. All four of them are on the Dynavite. You won't believe how happy your dog will be. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover. All for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 3388 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 3388. Enjoy. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. Well, as promised, uh, we're not going to talk about the State of the Union address tonight. You've been hearing about that for the last two days. We'll talk about something almost as ridiculous. Uh, That would be Major League Baseball. The deadline to reach a new labor agreement was yesterday. The first two series of the season have already been canceled. Barry's Verluga is a sports columnist for the Washington Post, and he joins us now. Barry, thanks for being here. I appreciate you having me. So, um, in in your your piece uh, today in the Washington Post... Uh, the headline is, Nobody in Baseball Cares Deeply Enough to Save the Game from the People Who Run It. How long, uh, and we know what's happening right now, what's happened in the last couple of days, but how long has do you believe this has been the case, Which, what, what the headline says? Well, I think it's been for some time. I mean, even going back to the tenure of, of Bud Selig, um, you have to remember that the commissioner is not the commissioner of a century ago, an independent arbitrator who could, um, you know, oversee the game and do what was best for the game at all times. Um, the commissioner is uh, essentially an employee of the owners and, and is speaking from management side for management for the 30 clubs that, that make up the team. So there's really no sort of overseer who has a 40,000 foot view of what's the position of our sport in the American entertainment landscape? What are the flaws uh, in our on-field product? Um, And how do we get to a point where we can position the game um, more like it once was as as the national pastime? It has certainly lost that status. It lost that long ago. And it's really at a perilous point now because the two sides have allowed themselves to get in a position where they so deeply don't trust each other and there's no kind of person to oversee and lead them out of it. And and no one on either side has taken the view of look, what's best for the game here. They're only saying what's best for our side here. Um, And that's kind of led them down the path uh, that they're at now, which is no baseball until further notice. Yeah. I uh, just so you know, I, I, this is not a sports show per se. I, 
I uh, did sports for 30 years, and I, I cover more politics and culture, stuff like that here. But I, I like to incorporate sports when it's something that goes beyond sports, and that's why I, I thought your column was good to talk about today, because you do refer to it as a civic institution. Um, and the, the, the effect of not having baseball, I guess, on the, on the psyche of the country, does that matter anymore? Are people going to be... Uh, if there, if the, and I don't think it's going to happen. But if there were no baseball season, would how much would people actually care? Would their lives be ruined, especially after what we've been through the last two years? And putting things in perspective. Well, yeah, I mean, I think sports are a diversion, right? And if you yeah. lose one of your diversions, your main diversions, it, it depends on the individual. If you're somebody who flips on, you know, 140 Pirates games uh, in a season, then then the course of your summer is going to be much different. I think the way I am thinking about it is a little bit from the other side, which is not, are people going to be upset if there's no baseball, but if there's no baseball, how many people are, is the sport going to come back to when, when it returns? Cause it will return at some point. This is not the juggernaut that it once was. It, it's not the, the sport that nationally people talk about um, highlights and stars in a way they, they once did. Um, and so as it kind of navigates into the future with a product that has on the field become much slower, more tedious, um, you know, things that matter are strikeouts are at an all-time high and have been increasing yep. over the last decade and a half. Um, there's not as many balls in play. Um, so there's less action and the game is slower now you you give people uh, an undetermined amount of time to absolutely tune out your sport because you're not even offering it at all. H- how much are you risking, you know, what percentage of those people will just not return at all? Yeah. Um, and again, this is Pittsburgh you're talking to, so we have a different issue here because it's a small market. And you could say, I think, and I'll ask you, uh, it, it, people here – could interpret what's happening, although it's not, but they could hopefully uh, believe this, that that maybe somebody is actually thinking about Pirates fans and if, there, if, they were, if the owners were locking the players out because they were insisting on a salary cap, that might be something that Pirates fans could hang their hat on, but that's not happening either, is it? No, I mean, the players' concerns, you know, they don't want a, a salary cap um, like the NFL has or the NBA has. Uh, they see that as, as an evil. Um, there's kind of a de facto lid on salaries that players, a competitive balance tax, they call it. Um, teams that go above that have to pay um, a percentage more on the dollar for every every dollar above that. Um, and that's the way that they kind of keep the small market teams with a chance to be competitive, even if they're not going to roll out a a $200 million um, payroll. I think I know one of the players main concerns has been um, the lack of spending by some small market teams uh, and the trend to essentially tank in order to get high draft picks and build a team with cheap labor, um, because younger players are cheaper uh, and build a winner that way. Um, That's worked successfully some places. The Astros did it uh, in Houston. The Cubs did it in Chicago. It hasn't worked in others. And and the players have been squawking and Pittsburgh would fall into this, um, into this bucket at times um, that what's the point of having a season where half the teams have essentially said from opening day, we're not going to be competitive this year. What, what kind of product, what kind of competitive product are you offering if that's the case? Yeah, uh, here in Pittsburgh, we have three teams. Two of them play in leagues that have a salary cap. Uh, and those two teams have won a combined five championships in the last 41 years, and the Pirates have won none. So uh, the, the, maybe that's a simplification, but that's the way baseball fans here have looked at it. And it's almost... It's it's really dying here as far as young people being interested in the Pirates. They had a three-year stretch there, uh, whatever it was, 2013, 14, and 15, where they had a competitive team. But um, 
baseball is really dying here among younger fans. And I don't know if that's the case in Washington because you haven't actually loaded up on championships down there in the last 40 years either. Well, it is different here. I mean, they, they, uh, since 2012, uh, we're in the postseason six times and, and won a world series in yeah. 2019. And yeah, in fact, yeah. has, has kind of captured, um, fans and, you know, are frustrated by a losing season like they had last year. But I think if you put the markets aside, um, the young people question is, is huge. Um, baseball is, it's not a, situation where the star is on the field um, or on the court or on the ice uh, as high a percentage as, you know, Ben Roethlisberger or Sidney Crosby um, would be out there for the Penguins or the, or the Steelers. Um, You know, your best players essentially come up once, you know, four times a night. And um, it's not a situation where you can flip the channel away and flip back and be guaranteed you're going to see your favorite your favorite player um, that can be a little disorienting for uh, a generation that not to overgeneralize, but you know, has a, a shorter attention span that, that wants the things packaged uh, a little differently and a little more swiftly. So the sport has um, been slow to adjust to that new reality. I think they've made some strides in that, in that area. But again, the, the work stoppage is it's so dangerous because the, the sport as a whole was already um, in a position where it's it's losing that younger demographic in a very crowded marketplace that isn't just filled with traditional sports but all sorts of esports and other options. Um, you know, if it's a two month work stoppage and you're into you're starting uh, opening day June first, how many people are you losing in that interim spot that because they have other places to turn and can simply shrug off the idea that there's no baseball? Yeah, I um, I come from uh, I grew up here in Pittsburgh, and so I, I and I'm old, and I I lived through when, believe it or not, Pittsburgh was not a football town; it was a baseball town. Uh, people think the Steelers were always number one here, and they have been for the last forty years. But when I was a kid. Uh, they were not, and it wasn't close. The Pirates were. Um, and they have statues outside of PNC Park of Clementi and Stargell. There will never be another player in Pittsburgh under the current system who will be here long enough to get a statue. It just won't happen because that's the difference for Pittsburgh and Washington and New York, Philadelphia, Boston, all the big markets. Uh, when, they, when they develop a star, the better he gets, the quicker he's gone. They can't keep him. They can't afford him. And 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 the, the owners take some heat for that, but I think the owners are smart because they they make money and they know the fans are going to keep coming up, keep coming out in, the, in in enough numbers to make them profitable, and they can be profitable without winning a lot, which wasn't the case before. Well, you're right. I mean, and I think you're describing Pittsburgh, but you're describing a lot of markets in terms yeah. of yep. you know where baseball fits in the in the stratosphere of, of sports in a in a given town. Um, free agency is a factor. It is harder for small market teams to to sign these guys long term. Um, there are exceptions, um, and and I think that uh, when things settle down and we get back into to the normal business of baseball, um, there are ways that. Uh, Small market teams can sign guys. Atlanta has done this, and I know that's maybe not as small a market as you're thinking about, but yeah. um, sign guys before they reach free agency to um, more affordable extensions that offer the the player stability and long term. You know, maybe giving up the highest end dollars, but guaranteeing themselves um, stability over over the long term. Um, teams have done that. Uh, you know and been proactive about signing their young stars before they reach free agency. And that's a good formula, but, but you're definitely right about um, the standing of the sport in a given market. It's, it's few and far between now where you go from city to city in 30 major league markets, where the the baseball team is, is the unquestioned number one in town. Um, That is the exception where it used to be the rule. Yeah. I, I, the way I refer to it, um, again, as a, as a kid growing up and and well into my adulthood, um, the pirates or any, for anybody having a major league baseball team was a source of joy 
uh, source of um, it was it was a positive thing. But when you have a team that's had 34 losing seasons in the last 40 years, baseball, because of the everydayness of it, what used to be a source of joy is now a source of misery. Yeah, by the time June gets here, people are just counting the days till Steelers training camp. And that's been go- that's 34 times in the last 40 years. So what's happening with baseball now, um, from my standpoint as a, uh, as a former baseball fan, I, I, would, I would trade a, a season-long uh, lockout if it meant a salary cap at the end of it. But that's not going to happen, is it? Ever. I don't think so, but I also don't think that's the root of the of the problems. I mean, you know, the the Pirates situation is not completely based on the fact that they're in a smaller market. Um, Kansas City won a World Series uh, well, in 2015. I know the people like to point to them, but they sorry to interrupt, but they they've been to the playoffs uh, twice in the last 38 years, and they happen to sure. get to the World and, Series both times. But 38 years, 36 times, no playoffs. Right. And I mean, I'm just saying that the size of the market and the lack of the salary cap doesn't completely dictate success or not success. I mean, we've seen Moneyball was written about the Oakland A's. Mm -hmm. Tampa Bay Rays draw nobody into that stadium. Um, They have become a a constant winner in a division that includes two of the biggest spenders in in the whole sport, Boston and the New York Yankees. So I, I think that it is oversimplifying it to say market size equals success. Mm-hmm. Yes, smaller market teams have to cycle through more um, than the Yankees or the Dodgers do and, and kind of have it be a cyclical run as they run through their young talent. But I don't think, I, I don't think the problem with the sport is the lack of, um, is the lack of the salary cap. They, they have a financial mechanism that <clears throat> offers revenue sharing to smaller market clubs. Um, yes, the Dodgers and the Yankees are going to have a much better chance to consistently win. But I, the sports problems, I think, are in leadership and in on-field product. Yep. Uh, there is no independent leadership, and the on-field product takes too long and is too slow to keep the younger generation engaged. So just finishing up here, Barry, and I appreciate you coming on, uh, getting away from the, the, the business aspect of it a little bit, just uh, your just your feeling uh, in, in the area where you live and in your life experience. What about the future of baseball as far as kids playing it, and and you know the way they might might have done it when you were a kid or when I was a kid? I see that disappearing also, and that's a big problem. You know the numbers on that actually have stagnated. Um, there's been pretty good. Some it depends on the area, but there have been some places. Um, where it's risen. Um, obviously trying to get, uh, urban kids to play baseball is, is more difficult. That's been a problem for more than a generation and diversity in the game has struggled because of that. There just aren't as many black stars as there used to be. And therefore not as many black role models. And, and, you know, look at, it's just harder to maintain fields, harder and more expensive to maintain fields and get all the, that equipment, um, in cities. Uh, so that's been, a problem that's plagued the game um, for years. It's become a very white, suburban, expensive sport to play. The numbers on, on participation are not terrible, um, but it's it's not a it's not spread throughout society as it once was. It doesn't reach all corners of society um, as it once did. Really, you know, there's so many young stars from um, places like the Dominican Republic because there it is still seen as um, a sport in which you can excel and get out and succeed for your family in a way that the NBA and the NHL, um, I'm sorry, the NBA and the NFL are for, for much of America's urban youth. Hey, Barry, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, the column, you can find it at WashingtonPost.com. Really good about baseball, and I appreciate you coming on. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right. And that's Barry's Verluga of the Washington Post, and we'll be right back. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. On the seventh day of fighting in Ukraine, Russia has intensified its assault on key targets, including ports in the south and the eastern city of Kharkiv. This is what people living in Ukraine's second city, Kharkiv, woke up to this morning. 
the aftermath of another Russian attack. Two buildings are in this area, a university faculty and also a regional police department. Reports say paratroopers have also landed as part of an aerial assault. In the southern city of Kherson, which has a population of a quarter of a million, from their windows local people filmed Russian tanks. The city is reported to now be under full Russian control. The BBC's John Donison in Ukraine. Stocks have been higher today, the Dow up 610 points, the S&P 584 higher. This is SRN News. Hi, I'm cute kid number one. And I'm cute kid number two. And we have been forced, you mean hired, we have been hired to tell you what direct lender FOMO is. So let's say you buy a new home, and maybe you use one of those big mortgage monsters, or someone your realtor or friend recommends. And then a few months later, you hear us being forced, hired, hired, to tell you about our mortgage team's direct lender advantage. And then you feel like you missed out, because you probably did miss out, and that is direct lender FOMO. It's Ryan, and our mortgage team is an arm of a bigger company who is a direct lender which means our company gets to use its own money and make its own decisions within its own walls. There's no middleman. This often allows us to get you a better rate on that new home mortgage, saving you monthly and lifelong money. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Middle Park Road, Melbourne, New York. Licensed mortgage maker for all licensing information. Go to Animalist Consumer Access. Dollar Corporate Animalist Number 1335. Rack Animalist Number 65233. Equal housing lender. I license in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, or Utah. Jay Sekulow wants the White House to do more. No one expected the sanctions to prevent anything from happening. This is going to take time. The, the president and his team had months, months to work on this so that the, a sanctions regime could have been put in place that may have, at least would have been a potential to prevent this conflict. Sekulow, live, weeknights at 6, right before Larry Elder at 7, on AM 1250. The answer is a constitutional law attorney, former senior legal advisor and personal counsel to President Donald J. Trump. Jenna Ellis believes in the rule of law and the importance of integrity in our elections. And on the Jenna Ellis podcast, she tackles the big cultural and legal issues facing America. Don't miss a single episode of the Jenna Ellis show. Follow today at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or at SalemPodcastNetwork.com. If you're with Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile, you're paying too much for your wireless service. Because Pure Talk gives you the exact same 5G coverage as one of those big carriers on the exact same network, but saves the average family over $800 a year. And Pure Talk doesn't lock you into an overpriced, unlimited data contract. Why pay for data you don't need? Instead, get unlimited talk, text, and 6 gigs of data for just $30 a month. And switching is so easy. You can keep your phone and keep your number. Or get huge discounts on the latest iPhones and Androids. So what are you waiting for? Start saving today. Go to puretalk.com, type in your address to find the coverage at your home, then enter promo code HALFOFF, and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code HALFOFF. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. WPGP Pittsburgh, a division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the Answer mobile app, smart speakers, tune in, iHeart, or Odyssey. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. Finishing out our Wednesday with a very busy ride out there on the inbound parkway north. Reedsdale Street all the way in through town. On inbound 28, some delays between Fox Chapel Road and Highland Park Bridge. Stacking up parkway east inbound 2nd Avenue to the Fort Pitt Bridge. Usual delays out to the tunnel. On the parkway west inbound, it's a busy ride between 79 and the Fort Pitt Tunnel. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, The Answer. Weather. We'll see considerable clouds for tonight. Expect a couple of showers of rain or snow. It'll be breezy late with a low of 27. For tomorrow, colder with clouds breaking for some sunshine. Tomorrow's high 34. Partly cloudy skies on tap for tomorrow night with a low of 16. As we wrap up the week on Friday, it won't be as cold as it has been. We'll see times of clouds and sunshine. Expect a high of 43. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. This is the John Stackerwald Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. 
Well, I guess you could say the uh, the 2022 midterms actually began yesterday in Texas. They had primaries there. And we know that it's going to be uh, Greg Abbott going against Beto O'Rourke for governor, of all people. We don't know who's going to be running for the Republicans in Pennsylvania yet, but we know who'd like to. And one of those people is Melissa Hart, former congressman from the 4th District. And she joins us now. Melissa, thanks for coming on. Hi, John. It's good to be with you. How are you doing? I'm very well. I actually just stopped by Eichner's Farm in Wexford to drop off a petition, and I ran into Diane, the daughter, and uh, she said she's a big fan. Just oh. asked me to pass that on. Oh, good, good. I'm glad somebody's out there listening. Um, oh, so, yeah. <laughs> so what, what made you uh, decide to get back into politics at this point in your life? Probably the same thing that has driven a lot of people uh, up off their couches and out to the streets to circulate my petitions. It's People are frustrated that government people, and more and more it seems like they make a bunch of promises and they make bigger and bigger promises and then they can't deliver on anything. But I think largely what we've experienced over the last, uh, you know, six years, eight years with what's going on in Pennsylvania where we have a governor who just completely ignores the public, but also on the national level where Donald Trump stirred up something in a lot of people where they wanted they they just had not been happy with the representation that they were getting and they wanted someone different. So when I'm looking at this list of people that we have running in this primary, it's good to have someone different, but it's important to have someone who understands how to do the job. And I think a lot of the candidates that ended up running have the different nailed down, but what they don't have nailed down is how to be a governor, what a governor needs to know, what has to happen in order to make things happen in Pennsylvania, because Governor Wolf has been trying to let, he's been trying to run the legislature like they're his uh, serfs and tell them what to do, but he can't do that. I mean, he's, he's got a lot of executive orders that will be repealed immediately, uh, whoever takes office after him. So I'm running anyway, because I'd like to return us to regular order. Mm-hmm. I, I want to repeal Act 77. And if people in this state really want uh, no excuse mail-in balloting, I think we need to have a conversation about it. Because that came out of the blue, came out of nowhere. It was a deal made in a dark room somewhere. And what I hear from the public is they don't understand why we did it. Because it was done, you know, long before the pandemic was even uh, thought of or known anything about. It was done because there are a lot of people who believe that the no excuse mail-in voting is, is a good thing for the Democrats. And uh, certainly the Democrat governor wanted to make sure he could get that done. But the other reason I'm running is because I know I know what's wrong uh, because of what I've been doing the last 15 years. I've actually been in the private sector for 15 years, John. Yeah, and that's, what, that's why I asked. You're, you're jumping back in yeah. after you escaped. Well, it, it's funny that you say that. And, and I did. I, I mean, I went back home, though. Instead of doing what a lot of congressmen do and stay in Washington, they sell their reputation for some special interest and make a lot of money. I came home. I, I like Pennsylvania. I care about it. And I came back here and I went back to work uh, in law. I'm, I'm a lawyer and I work a lot with small business people. And five years ago, I was invited to join the board of directors of Enterprise Bank, which is locally based. It's in Hampton and Indiana, PA. And all we do is work with small business. We're a small business lender, not all small business administration loans. Uh, The bank was founded by uh, a couple of CPAs and real estate professionals and some other small business people, physicians, some people who really understand what it means to live and work in the community and how hard it is for business people to get going. And if they come upon hard times, a lot of banks just want to shut them down. Um, they've, they've worked through, for example, this um, we uh, as a very active board and the staff of the bank wrote a lot of PPP loans for our customers who were having a really hard time, obviously, and a lot of them were deemed non-essential by the governor. Uh, So I know what they went through firsthand. Um, Also, the regulatory environment has been, this this governor especially has been very aggressive when a bill passes. It's the executive branch's job to write regulations, but they've overstepped on a lot of the regulations that they've written. We need to pull those back. And another really important issue that really has nothing to do with writing the law, it has to do with the execution. It is the bureaucracy has gotten out of control. Uh, 
some people have told me they they apply for a permit, whether it's through the DEP or another department, and it just takes so long. And at every turn, when they think they're just about to get approved, the department asks them for something else. We have no customer service whatsoever, no focus at all in any of these agencies when it comes to dealing with business people and those who want to grow the economy here in Pennsylvania. They get dumped on, and it's wrong. And I would focus on making sure that the head of each of our agencies is focused on customer service. The customer is the taxpayer. And those are the people that the state government is there to serve. But that has just gotten away from them. And I think there's a lot of good people who work for the state. But I think that if they're managed the right way, we can really help businesses that are already existent to help jumpstart the economy because they'll be able to get more done. Well, is it a case of... um choosing more government or asking the government to get out of the way? Is that the two choices that are going to be out there, whoever ends up uh, running on each ticket? Well, I think that's just the difference between the Democrats and Republicans. I think across the board, you're going to have Republicans who want to get out of the way. Um, and, and actually, I think that it is the place of the government in some instances to assist. Uh, for example, if, if you are applying for a permit to do some kind of a project, where land is moved and there's water issues and all that sort of thing. The state government can help these uh, individuals or business people to navigate the federal, the federal issues that they have to navigate as well. Yeah. Um, so we do need some people, right? We do need some people. But I think it's important for us to eliminate the government that we can. Uh, I, I did serve on a committee that Governor Corbett had. It was a group that he had asked because we had – a lot of experience in government and business to join together and review a number of the services the government provides and try to a get rid of the redundancies and b just get rid of the things that we didn't need. And we were successful in getting rid of a lot of redundancies. They talked a lot about public private partnerships, but I think it's, if we can go halfway to the private, then we ought to go to the private, um, unless it's something that state government is mandated to provide. And I'm a big school choice fan, so our schools are not producing what we need. We need to make sure that every child who goes to a Pennsylvania school gets the basics of education that they need in order to be a contributor instead of someone who's dependent on the state. So that means reading, that means writing, that means mathematics, that means personal finance, the things that... I believe every school should teach, well, not uh, photography and, right. you know. Yeah. Well, on your website, you say, quote, uh, we have to prevent our children from being pawns of the state in a mm-hmm. cruel political power game. How have they been used as pawns? What do you, what do you mean by that? Well, especially during the pandemic, um, we saw the teachers union basically drive health policy with kids being forced to stay home. And we've seen instances now of childhood depression in Pennsylvania skyrocket as a result of these kids being isolated. That's when I say a cruel power game, because it was all about the teachers union wanting to have the power to control the schools. And, you know, if you don't have to be at work physically every day, and that's a big change from the way your normal life is, that's taking advantage You know, a lot of these teachers would stay at home and teach their classes online. And, you know, they, first of all, they aren't effective, especially with younger children. Right. But it makes their lives easier, doesn't it? Sure. And the kids are... And that's that's not right. The kids suffer. And the families suffer. Because a lot of families, as as you know, we saw a lot of people turn out for those school board elections in the fall Mm -hmm. to turn out school directors who kept their schools closed. And, And the same goes for these mandated... Uh, masks, anytime the, the, the vaccines. And one of the other things that, that I refer to uh, about schools that I think is really important is, you know, school's job is to teach the children. Their job is not to provide social experiments. So this critical race theory, uh, the other issues, too, that uh, they've been nosing around about people's family issues, their family relationships, their faith. They ask kids questions that they have no business asking. And they also give tests that I I would like to stop. Uh, I think the ones that test kids' academic progress so that they know whether a child should be promoted from one grade to the next are perfectly in order. But anything else when it comes to their their social status, those kinds of things, I don't want any of that in the school. It's not right. And it also distracts the teachers from teaching the things that they're supposed to be teaching the kids. 
there's a lot that we need to fix in our schools. And I think we need to get rid of the fat, the extras, and we need to focus on what kids really need to know. Well, I've uh, one of my pet peeves about Republicans, I'm an independent, but I I lean, obviously I lean Republican, I'm a conservative, but um, (laughs) um, one of my pet peeves is that the Republicans have always talked a really good game about school choice and have (laughs) rarely produced school choice. Because the 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 uh, it'll always it seems like they'll get close and uh, maybe it'll come up for a vote yeah. somewhere. I, I just saw an example somewhere either I might have been Iowa or Idaho. I forget. Just saw it a couple of days ago where they thought they had it, and mm-hmm. like three Republicans decided to vote with the Democrats and killed it. Some, something always comes gets in the way, and school choice is a great concept that everybody in the Republican Party likes to talk about, and it never never happens. Not to okay, any so, good, you know, not not to the extent that you'd like to see it happen. Well, I know in Pennsylvania, you're exactly right. That happened under Tom Corbett. They really were right on the precipice of the votes and having it passed. And some legislators did back out. And what Republican I was, legislators uh, backed out. Well, they didn't run the bill. Yeah, and okay. they were in charge of the floor. Okay, so I would say yes. Yeah, um, the Senate passed it. Mm-hmm. It went to the House where it died. Uh, Governor Corbett wanted it. Um, I was working with the Center for Education Reform at the time, trying to get the charters and choice passed here. Uh, Center for Education Reform, you might have remembered Jeannie Allen. She was with Ronald Reagan's administration. I and do, yeah. I knew Jeannie, and she had asked me to help them out because they were trying to work with Governor Corbett to get that done here. So I was for it as a legislator in the 90s. When I was in the state Senate during the decade of the 90s, that was when we first started talking about school choice, and I'd been for it even then, when a lot of people in nice suburban areas were not for school choice because they thought that their school districts were going to be, oh, you know, just they're going to have city kids coming in, and it was mm-hmm. going to change the nature of their schools, right? So right. people got over that, right? We, we, we're looking at children as children. Right. And that we need to give children a chance in life. And our constitution, even in Pennsylvania, requires that we educate the children. So we we can't shirk that duty anymore. Have you seen... When I was in Washington, we did pass school choice for Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. Uh, one the, of the most amazing things that we got done was there was a march of mothers on the U.S. Capitol. Um, they were all over the House and Senate offices back before, you know, they weren't really allowed in. And when people actually still worked in their offices, and, I, and they, they had a huge effect on us, that we got enough votes to pass school choice in Washington, D.C. So it, it can be done. Even is that the one Obama places. killed? It is. Uh, it, was, it was done, and Obama uh, and the Democrats wiped it he out. He reversed it. That's correct. But it was in existence for a while, because I left Congress yeah. in uh, 2007. So... Um, anyway, uh, as it goes, uh, I believe that there's more of an appetite for school choice now because many, many parents saw what their children were learning, how they were being taught while they were at home during the pandemic. And I'm hearing it everywhere I go. Uh, there's no, there's no slicing and dicing. We want charters. We don't want cho- uh, choice. There's, we want all of it. I had a guy on By yesterday. Way, charter schools. Go mm-hmm. ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say charter schools are really important here. Um, mm-hmm. I think that like Germany schools, how they help kids to specialize and understand what school, how school will relate to their future career. We need to do that more here. And I think a lot of the charters, like STEM charters or arts charters or charters that, you know, have some other specialty, yeah. really help kids to understand. You know, you hear kids all the time, they're taking a class, what do I need to know that for? Well, yeah, I had a guy on yesterday, I think it was yesterday, um, talking about micro-schools. You ever heard of micro-schools? No. Uh, go to the Manhattan Institute and check it out for okay. someone so someone who's a fan of school choice. So this is yeah. a school can be, it doesn't have to be 300 kids. It doesn't even have to be 100 kids. It can be a school that's 25 kids. Uh, and, uh, okay. And are you um, familiar with what they're doing in West Virginia? Um, Somewhat. Uh, yeah, they... Uh, they actually did it. They, uh, th- uh, I had I had the person on who was very much in, involved in getting it done, a, a, a non politician. But it, uh-huh. it, it's um, I think every every kid gets forty six hundred dollars to take wherever he or she wants and put it into a school. Yeah. And so what happened? What can happen is that. Uh, a family can have have a kid. Just say they have one kid, and it, it gets forty six hundred dollars. Well, you can get together with ten other families, 
mm-hmm. maybe 15 other families, and you can hire a teacher to teach just these 10 or 15 kids and pay that okay. teacher 75000 bucks a year with the money that the government gives you. Um, I mean, I there, there are ways well, to do it. Pure but, money. Yeah, and people do it, but it just, it always, West Virginia did it. It's done. And so okay. it can be done, is my point. And, and, uh, yeah, I'll look into that for sure. That, that's yeah. actually really interesting, and it's creative, and I think that's important, too, because some rural areas, you can't get a lot of kids together. No. You, know? you can't really have a charter uh, very well. Uh, unless the kids have to travel too far. And that happens a lot in Pennsylvania, too, from mm-hmm. in a lot of our more rural areas. So that's great. I'll look into that, John, because yeah. I think I would like it. How um, how will your serving in Congress help you as uh, not only a candidate for governor, but as a governor? So a lot of – I had mentioned earlier that a lot of the state uh, services or programs or – there's a lot of regulatory issues that they do dovetail somewhat with some things on the federal level. And so there are often just dollars that are given to the state by the federal government. I want to focus, and I know where they're coming from, and, and I obviously know how Congress works. If we need assistance in a certain area, we can work with our congressional delegation to have that happen. And I think it's important. And, I, and, and I'm not just talking that we've got to get more money or anything. But when it comes to help with the regulatory regime, for example, while I was a member, we were being cited in western Pennsylvania because of our our particulates in the air. And we hear that every once in a while. We have bad air days and this and that. Not hair days. But it's usually because the winds from Indiana and Illinois and Ohio blow uh, east. And, of course, our mountains stop all the air from the polluted air from uh-huh. the industrial uh, states to our west. And there were times where the EPA was coming in to sanction us, uh, force our power plants to close, a number of different things that would have really been bad for us. And so I learned uh, there to work together with the departments. So you work together with both of those departments. The cooperation is really important. And knowing how the federal government works and the agencies and how they work, I think is important. I think that will help me be a better governor, one that can be more practical and more solutions-oriented, because I think that's really what we need. We don't have this common-sense view. We have a lot of people walking around saying, you know, I'm going to stop crime because I'm a prosecutor, or I'm a CEO, and I'm going to go run the state like a business. you got to work with a General Assembly to get things done, and I got news for them. Uh, and the General Assembly is full of a lot of smart people who know their different regions of the state. And, you know, this is a big state. The regions are different and need and want different things. So I want to work together with the legislature to make sure we have an agenda that A, will pass, and B, works for everybody. And I think it's really important here we need to provide opportunity for economic opportunity for everybody. So we develop our energy as much as we can. We also have to look at our number one industry, agriculture, and make sure that we can have a variety of agriculture be successful here. I met some very entrepreneurial uh, farmers over the last week when I was traveling, uh, organic farming, big, it's big business. And in Pennsylvania, we don't really focus on it as much as they do in some other states. And if we would grow more of our organic farming, we're going to have huge markets throughout the country. So we have that opportunity here because our ag has a great history and great roots and great families. Well, uh, that I want to work with them, for example, to grow that. Well, I'm out of time, Melissa. I'm sure we'll have you on again. Uh, where can people find your uh, – uh, where's your website? People go check out what you're doing there. It's H-A-R-T, my last name, Hart, mm-hmm. uh, for F-O-R, not the number. So mm-hmm. Hart, F-O-R-P-A dot O-R-G. And we'd love to have their help. We're right in the middle of getting petitions signed right now. Uh, they can volunteer to help us walk neighborhoods. And obviously we need donations as well, and they can donate online as well. Well, good luck, and, and thanks for being on the show. I'm sure we'll talk again, Melissa. Thank you. It's a pleasure, John. You take care. Okay, that's Melissa Hart. She's running for governor. We'll be right back. If 
you have unfiled taxes or are in debt to the IRS, this is important news. The IRS just rolled out a new program to help struggling taxpayers more easily resolve their tax problems. It's called the Taxpayer Relief Initiative, and it opens up powerful new options for people looking to get back on the right track with the IRS. And no one knows this program like the professionals at Optima Tax Relief, America's most trusted tax resolution company. They've resolved over $1 billion in tax debt for their clients and have the expertise and experience to help you. One easy call to Optima can start the process, helping to put an end to your worries of wage garnishment, asset seizure, and other aggressive IRS actions. Make today the beginning of your fresh start with the IRS. Call the experts at Optima Tax Relief now for your free confidential consultation. Call 800-354-2840. 800-354-2840. 800-354-2840. Optima Tax Relief. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. There's one box that you'd run back into your burning house to grab. It's the box filled with your videotapes, film reels, and photos. Those sentimental, meaningful, irreplaceable moments. Hi, I'm Nick Mako. And I'm Adam Baselogger. We started the Legacy Box over a decade ago so that we could help families save their memories from being destroyed by floods or fires. And it's not just natural disasters, Adam. Every day, videotapes and photos are slowly fading away, decaying, neglected in closets and attics. Digitizing your old media stops fading, and preserving those recordings means they are safe forever. It's like magic converting your shoebox of memories into digital files ready to watch and share. It's the only way to ensure your legacy is safe for generations. That's why over a million families have already trusted Legacy Box. Legacy Box is simple and easy, it works, and is safe. We'd love to preserve your family's collection. Don't wait. The risk is too great. Visit LegacyBox.com slash LBox to save 40%. That's LegacyBox.com slash LBox to get started and save. LegacyBox.com slash LBox. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. So we made it uh, through um, an hour without talking about the uh, State of the Union address, except for the fact that I opened the show talking about the State of the Union address and how stupid it is and how ridiculous it's gotten and what a waste of time it is. Um, so uh, we have till we have another year before there's another one, and um, uh, you know, is uh, my question is, will the next one have the Speaker of the House tearing up the President's speech? I'd be rooting for that if it, it is. And then, what 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 would the reaction be if uh, Uncle Joe is up there and finishes his speech, and a Republican Speaker of the House tears up the 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 the, the pages? You remember when uh, Nancy did that? Uh, also, what a weasel Joe Biden is. He was out somewhere today. I don't know where it was. I just saw the clip of it, and it's Ash Wednesday, and he had ashes on his forehead. And someone in the media actually asked him. Hey, Joe, you're a Catholic. You're showing your Catholicism on your forehead there, but you're a big fan of abortion. Can you talk about that a little bit? And he said, well, I don't want to get into a theology lesson. And then Dr. Jill came up from behind and dragged him away. What a weasel. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye. John Steigerwald Show is a production of the Answer Pittsburgh and Salem Media Group. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.